Well, let's uh, let's pray together and ask the Lord to to bless the preaching of His Word that we may hear it and be changed by it. Lord, we pray just that for Your blessing on this next little time for the next few moments as we look at Your Scripture as we contemplate what You've said to us and what You are saying to us. Lord, we pray that You'd speak. Lord, may today not be just a day where moms listen, but where we all listen to Your Word. And pick up what it is that you want to, to say to us this morning. We thank you for your scripture, for your revealed word, for how it changes our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. From what I have gathered over the years of being now a dad for going on 14 years and observing my wife as a mother, now for going on 14 years, being a mom isn't always the easiest thing in the world. That's exactly right. And so, yes, you know, it is sometimes the most difficult thing in the world. From what I have observed, I have no personal experience with it. I am not a mom, obviously. But I have learned and gathered that it is difficult. It is very tiring. Some of you are here this morning and you are a mom and you are flat worn out. You have permission this morning to be tired. It's okay. Uh, today may be the only day that if, you know, if you're, if you're a mom and, and if maybe your husband comes with you here on Sunday mornings, this is the only day maybe you can sleep instead of him. How about that? All right. And so, uh, but anyway, it's, it's overwhelming and, and it is unending, isn't it? There are ladies here this morning and you are now a grandmother, a great grandmother, but you're also a mother. And guess what? That never ends, does it? You tell your kids, well, I'll always be your mom. Mom, look, I am a, you know, I'm a grown man. You know, yeah, but I'm always going to be your mom. I, you know, it's unending. It just never ends. And it's also a very joyous thing, isn't it? It's wonderful and it's great. And it can also, of course, be painful. You run the gamut, it seems, when you are a parent. And when you're a mother in particular, with that sort of instinct, you, you experience it. It's tiring and it's great and it's hard and it's joyous and it's painful all at the same time. Sometimes moms love it. And sometimes you're just trying to get through the day, aren't you? You know, you wake up and here I am. All right, I'm ready. I'm going to attack this day and here we go. And then you go online. You look at your social media feed and you see perfect makeup from all the women that are on there. And you see perfect little kids who have gotten up already dressed somehow. And you see a perfect husband who was up making breakfast for everybody. He's just happy about it, you know. And perfect little moments that have been captured by a professional photographer that just follows around this family everywhere they go. And a perfect house that is obviously just pristine and and it's clean all the time because this mother never sleeps. She doesn't have to. She's, She's superhuman. It's just perfect everything online, isn't it? Then you get tired of looking at your social media feed, so you turn on the television and then you see all the ladies with the perfect figure and perfect smile. And the perfect life. And they go perfect house hunting. <laughs> they do perfect home renovations. All by themselves. And then they, they also, three times a week, they volunteer at the animal shelter to walk dogs. Because that's just the kind of person they are. And they have a $3 million budget somehow for this house. Even though they volunteer all the time. That's just the way it is, isn't it? And so you go back to bed. 
just what you do. Forget it. I'm not going to do this day. It's just the way it goes. You know, it can be overwhelming, just kind of like that, you know, and you're just not sure if you want to attack this day or not. And honestly, there are so many conflicting messages about what it means to be a successful mother. The world throws so many different things at you. As I reference, you see things online or on television, and make no mistake, there is a subtle, if not so subtle, message about what you are to be as a woman, as a wife, as a mother. There is a very distinct message, and we get it not only from the media, of course, that we consume, but from people in general, maybe your husband, maybe your own mother, maybe somebody in your life that tells you, here is what you are to be. Now, since God created moms and God invented motherhood, I'm not going to look this morning to what society has to say to you because I think it's garbage. I'm not going to look this morning to even what your own mother would have to say to you. We're going to look at what does God have to say because if you can be successful as a mom and the only eyes that matters, those are his, then you don't have to worry about anybody else. Now, that's easier said than done, but maybe today is a starting point for you. And so hopefully that'll be the case. Now, before we look at the scripture that we're going to see this morning about motherhood, I think it's important that we follow another passage of scripture. And, and that, that pertains really to those for whom motherhood is either absent or it's painful. Uh, we, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice, the Bible tells us, which is why we throw baby showers. That's why we celebrate. That's, that's why we, we, we get excited when, when, when a young lady in our church, you know, she, she's going to have a baby. And boy, isn't that so excited? Absolutely, it should be. But you know, the flip side of that scripture says we are also to mourn with those who mourn. And I realized this morning that maybe you came on Mother's Day and for you it is a very painful experience to be here. Because motherhood, for whatever reason, may be absent. Maybe you have not had children or maybe you've lost your mother. And it's a very difficult time. Or maybe it's just been very painful. Maybe for you, the absence of motherhood is not only, well, I wish I could have kids one day, someday, but maybe you've lost children and it's been very, very painful. I've got some friends like that. They lost four. And it's painful. And so we we are here to, to mourn in one way with you. To help share those burdens. You know, as, as we look at Mother's Day, today we're certainly we're going to honor mothers. I'm going to preach on motherhood, and we're going to look at a, a, a scripture that will help us understand what successful motherhood is about. But let me tell you, that doesn't mean that motherhood is the highest calling that a woman can have. It doesn't mean that mothers are more valuable women than those who don't have children. The highest calling for anybody, man or woman, is to follow Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about that. And you are valuable, ladies, not because you have children, but you are valuable because you are created by God in His image and because Jesus died for you. So hear that and believe that. Because there are some sermons that will tell you the highest calling is to be a mom. The highest calling is to follow Jesus Christ. It certainly is a high calling to be a mom, no question. And a tremendous blessing and responsibility. And some sermons will tell you that there is no woman more valuable than she who has lots of children. And you sit there and you say, well, what about me? (laughs) You are valuable because you are valuable to God because he created you and Jesus died for you. Hear that. 
And so I think as we go through this sermon this morning, even though we're going to talk specifically about mothers and motherhood and so on, I think there's, there's more than just what moms can hear today. And so that's my prayer. God is going to speak to us today through the book of Titus. You may not be familiar with the book of Titus, small little letter written by Paul to a man named Titus. It's over in the New Testament. If you got a copy of the Bible, I'd highly encourage you to get a copy of the Bible. There's certainly ways you can access it if you've got a smartphone or a tablet. But if you don't have a physical copy of the Bible that you, that you can read and understand on a regular basis, let us help you get one. Love to talk with you about that. Titus is over in the New Testament. And... Um, we're going to see this. It's in what are called the pastoral epistles. It follows the book of or the letter of Second Timothy. We're going to look this morning at Titus chapter two, uh, verses three through five. Now, I believe there's a longing within each of us to be successful at what we are doing, the roles that we have been given, the things that we are assigned. And thankfully, though, I am, I am very grateful that what God thinks is success is far different from what the world thinks is successful. And so that's what he's going to kind of define for us here. Look with me in Titus chapter 2. Paul is giving to, to Titus, here's some things that you need to be teaching to different uh, kinds of people in your church. And he, he arrives at verse 3. He says, older women, he's talking about, here's what you were to teach. To these different groups. He talks, here's what you're teach to older men. Here's what as a pastor you're to teach to, to older women. And then we'll get to the younger women. In the same way, he says, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not addicted to much wine. They are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women. And then he goes on from there. So stop there for just a second. Paul first says to Titus, this pastor, you are to minister to, to teach to, to encourage, to draw things out of the older women in your church. Now, typically every Sunday, I do my best to go and visit with the class of ladies who might be just a little bit older than I am, just a couple of years. I, I have a blast going in there, and we talk and joke with them, and they've got a lot of questions for me, and we joke about this and that. But I try to make sure that I love on and do my best to get to know the older women. I still have two living grandmothers, and I love them dearly. And so I have, in a sense, I have lots of adopted grandmothers here, if you know what I mean. And I'm so grateful for them. And yet, not only am I to be grateful for them, but I'm also to, as a pastor, encourage them in certain things. So hear me, if you might be one who is considered a little bit of a mature lady, let's just say, here's what the Bible says. Your time is not up. You are not retired. And hear this, and I mean this sincerely. You may not work anymore, but in the church, you are not done. You have a responsibility and a great opportunity. Paul says here, teach them to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not addicted to much wine. He says those older ladies are to be an example in character. Let me tell you, ladies, we, we, are, we desperately need quality leadership and character in our world today. And there are many of our women here who have been walking with Jesus for a long, long time. Do not think for a second that you are unneeded in our church. You are needed now more than you have ever been. And I mean that sincerely. You are needed in your example of character and your example of faithfulness. Paul just lists a few examples here. Here's who you are to be. We need you. And I mean that sincerely. We need you not only as an example, but Paul says they are to teach what is good. You, we need you to teach. To teach who? He says the younger women, those in your family, those in our church. I, I, listen, I, I will speak for the younger ladies in our church. I will speak for them because I have talked with them. They need 
And they want the instruction and the experience that comes from, okay, you made it through, right? You raised kids. You had a marriage. You had a working life. You, you survived. How can I do that? <laughs> How can I be the woman God wants me to be? They are desperate, and I know they need that. And so please, please, please don't retire from church. If you are able, please, please help us. Please don't just take up space at church. Don't feel like that's what you're relegated to. Please don't abandon the role that God has given you. We need you. And I mean that sincerely. Paul starts with the older women, I believe, for a reason. Then he transitions and he says, here's what the older ladies are to teach to the younger ladies. Here's what is, is going to define what successful motherhood is all about. Now, he's not saying every woman is going to be married and every woman is going to have kids. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying, if that is the case, here's what is supposed to be going on. Here's what the Christian family is to look like. The first, and I'm going to give you four things that Paul lays out here. And, and, and the, the fourth one, by the way, is, is the most important. We're going to build up to that this morning, and then we'll close with it. The first thing that he says, here's what he says in verse 4. They, the older ladies, may encourage the young women, first, what does it say, to love their what? Husbands. How do you be a successful mother? First, love your husband. Unconditionally. Paul does not qualify it. If he's a good dude, love him. If he does some good things, if he's the guy who gets up and he's got perfect hair and a perfect smile and he's just really well built, man, you really like the way he looks and he fixes breakfast every single morning just exactly the way you like and brings it to you in bed and knows how your coffee's supposed to be made, then you love that guy because, man, you got something. Paul doesn't say that, does he? Ladies, you're like, well, no, I guess he doesn't. Doggone it. He just says, love your husbands, doesn't he? Teach them to love their husbands. How do you do that? I mean, you, you, how do you really love your husband? I, they, these things are not written on your outline, but I just want to give you kind of a few things maybe that, that ladies, if you're looking for some specific ways, you're like, look, we've been married a while. I don't understand him. He doesn't understand me. I don't know what to do anymore. Nancy and I have been married almost 18 years. And that's not a long, long time, but long enough for us to get to the point where we're like, well, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, uh, yeah, I love you. You love me, but whew, we're both worn out. We got four kids. How do you specifically love your husband? That's the thing. I think there are a few things that you can do as we look at the entirety of Scripture. One of those is to respect him. To respect him. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul sums it up. He says, wives are to respect their husbands and husbands are to love their wives. How do you do that? You would just respect his position. God has given your husband, whether he's a believer or not, God has given your husband and your family the role of being a leader, a servant leader, ideally, someone who loves you, serves the Lord, serves you out of that love for the Lord and elevates you and helps you become the woman that you are to be ultimately. And, and ideally that's what it is. But even if that's not the case, the way that God set up the family, which is certainly we believe anyway, in our society, so outdated and out of sync, God is timeless. However, eventually his stuff comes back around to saying, Oh, I guess you're right. But to respect his position. I think also to respect how it is that you speak to and about him. Publicly, privately, whatever. I think respect, is, as most men would probably agree with this, is one of the deepest values that we have. You know, I think for me, I would rather have the respect of people and have nobody truly love me. I just live out somewhere and whatever, and eh, nobody really, but they respect me. Then I would to have everybody, oh, we love that guy, but we just walk all over him. We don't, yeah, we don't respect him anyway. We love him. Oh, he's so good. He's just a good old guy. 
fellas, I don't know about you, but I probably initially I'd choose the first one. I'd rather be respected in a lot of ways. And I think that's that's one of the, the man's closest values to his heart. And I think also, ladies, respecting your husband is a key to motivating him. Man, he won't do nothing. He just sits around all day long. He wants to drink this and that and he wants to watch television and he'll cut the grass occasionally just because he bought a new mower last year and went in debt for it and whatever and i mean you know he don't do nothing no respect can be a way that you motivate your husband in order to love you and to do things and so on i think you respect your husband by knowing him how how does he receive love and respect and and then to listen to him Ladies, let me encourage you. And this may seem, well, you're just trying to tell us what to do. No, 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 no. I'm, I, trust me, I'm trying to help you. Because this is what the Scripture says, love your husband. I think you listen to him. Don't answer for him. Don't, don't, don't decide for him. Give him. Let him speak. Now, some guys are going to take a little longer than others, aren't they? He's why well, I gave him a chance to speak. He didn't say anything. And he's saying, you gave me two seconds. Two. He, I, you know, give him some time to speak. Respect him. I think another way you can love him, not only respect him, is to help him. Do you know back in Genesis when God looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. What did he say? I'm going to create a helper, a helpmate suitable, corresponding to, that fits right together with. And then do you know that when Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the Holy Spirit was called? A helper. Do you understand sort of the correlation there between how a, 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 an earthly relationship can, can be compared with and correlate to this spiritual relationship we have with our Holy Spirit? In one way, the wife can come alongside the husband and be a tremendous help just as the Holy Spirit is for believers. Now, you're not his Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm saying. You can't save him. That's not what I'm saying. You can't regenerate his soul and make him new. But in the same way, you can follow the Holy Spirit's lead and be a helper. How do you do that? Will you comfort him? Sometimes, guys, you, 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 you don't have anybody to talk to, do you? Fellas, I mean, I, listen, I, you know, maybe I'm bearing too much for us this morning, but you know, a lot of times you're just isolated. Who, who in the world can I talk to? I don't trust anybody anywhere. You ever get to that point? I've gotten there. I don't trust anybody. I'm not sure who I can tell that, you know what, I'm, I'm having a pretty bad day. And honestly, it's not just a bad day that I'm frustrated and mad. I'm, I'm questioning all of my life right now. I need somebody that can come alongside me and help me. And maybe, ladies, you could be that for your husband. To believe in him, to admire him, to see the potential in him that he may not see. You're not the only one, ladies, by the way, that plays that comparison game. Because the fellas do it too. They just don't want to talk about it. They don't admit to their buddies that they compare themselves physically and educationally and mentally and socially and all those things to other people, to other men that seem to have so much more than they've got. They've got it together and so on. Maybe you'd see the potential in your guy. Maybe you'd give him your perspective. Truth is, sometimes, fellas, we don't exactly see it from all sides, do we? We've got our little thing that we see. And ladies, let me tell you, your guy needs the help of your perspective. You can also, of course, pray for him and praise him and say complimentary things about him, both to him and to your children and to your extended family and so on. I think you can love him also by uniting with him. The Bible talks about a physical union, a sexual union. Ladies, let me encourage you, and we're in church in mixed company, as they used to say, and I'm not going to get vulgar or anything like that, but don't use sex as a carrot to say, if you do these things, oh, then you'll be rewarded and so on. Study up on that. Read about that. Learn about that. And use it as something that will unite the two of you together the way that God has intended. Why is it so important as a mom to love your husband? 
Well, I, I really believe it, it's commanded here. It says, love your husbands, how you obey God in marriage. It's productive, not only that. Marriage is made better. Your husband is made better. And I think it's influential. I think it matters to your kids. I think it really does. Some of you have grown up in homes where you question, do mom and dad love each other? And there's this instability. It, it has influence. Now, if you don't have a husband, you say, well, what about me? <laughs> if you're a single mom, if you are a single mom, let, let me encourage you to pray and to submit to the Lord to, to do the very best you can by the, emp- the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to speak as well of your kid's dad as you possibly can, especially in front of them. Especially in front of them. To speak as well as you possibly can. Because that's their dad. You say, well, he's rotten. He may be. He may be. But how can you honor and respect someone just because they exist? How can you do that? And then pray for that guy. You say, I don't want to pray for him. Well, we just went over that a few weeks ago, by the way. Pray for your enemies. We already went over that. I didn't say it. The Lord said it. And maybe as a single mom, you say, look, I don't have a, I don't have a husband I can love. But I'll do my best to just, in word as best I can, to love the man who is the father of my children. If you're a widow, if you're a widow and you no longer have a husband who is, who is living, let me tell you, we love you. And we mourn with you. And we understand, and I, I've preached funerals of, of your husband. And it breaks my heart. But you matter to us. I want you to know that. And you are certainly, of course, free to marry again, according to Scripture. But you may not feel called in that direction. I want you to know we'll take care of you. I want you to know we're here for you. We'll love you. And we will do our best to fill the gap for you. And we'll, 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 we'll be there for you. I want you to know that. If you're an unmarried woman, you say, well, you know, what about me? I don't have a husband. I don't have any kids. I'm just an unmarried woman. What am I, you know, is it, what does Mother's Day have to do with me? You know, God, honestly, God may call you to be a single woman your entire life. That's possible. God may call you to be a single woman. Uh, he, he, Jesus, of course, was, was single. Paul himself was single. There are tremendous ministry opportunities for those who are single, who are unattached, if you will. And they can just pick up and go and do and whatever. But you may say, but I have a longing in my heart. I believe God has called me to be married. Let me encourage you right now, if you have not already, to begin to pray for the husband that you desire. Pray for him. Wherever he may be, whoever he may be, begin to pray for him. And let me encourage you also to look for a man with whom that you can build a biblical marriage, not this mystical soulmate who may or may not be out there. Now, I don't mean to be cynical, but I really believe in our society we have sold one another a lie that you've got to search high and low for this mystical soulmate who's out there. It's kind of like finding a unicorn, isn't it? Well, I don't know if they even exist. I've heard stories about them. I've heard stories about soulmates. It seems like all my Facebook friends have a soulmate. Why don't I have a soulmate? Because it's a, it's a unicorn, for crying out loud. They don't exist. Anybody who's been married for any length of time, they ain't got a soulmate anymore. They got somebody they're married to. That's just the way it is, you know? Listen, I ain't trying to be cynical or down marriage, but we, we've got to be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, you need. To, I want you to lead me to somebody with whom I can build a biblical marriage. Because, God, if I can't build a biblical marriage with this person, I don't care how I feel about them. Because guess how long that's going to last? However much money you got to pay for the honeymoon, that's how long that's going to last. How I feel about this person. That ain't going to last. How can I build a biblical marriage? Ladies, let me encourage you with that. i got to get going, don't I? <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Second thing, now we're going to go quicker on the second, the third, and the fourth. All right, I promise you that. It's lunchtime. you got to take mom out to eat. I get it. All right, anyway. Second thing, he goes on and he says, they are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and what? 
Children, love your kids. How do you be successful as a mom? Love your kids. What in the world does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean giving them everything they want. That probably ain't going to help them. I know it's tempting. I know, but it ain't going to help them. It's not letting them do whatever they want. You're tired. I get it. Really do. You know what? I don't care. Just do what you want. I don't care. I'm not even listening to you. Just do what you want. I don't care. <laughs> really, I do what you want. I get it, okay? There are moments like that, okay? There are moments. But on the whole, is that helpful for our kids? No, we know it's not helpful, okay? I'm a terrible mom. I let my kid, you know, eat 40 pounds of chocolate this way. I mean, you know, I, I get it, but... It's, and it's and it's honestly, it's not to, to keep them from experiencing life and failing at stuff. Oh, I'm going to make sure that they have everything go right for them. Is that realistic? You ever have anything, everything go right for you? No. What does it mean to love your kids? Well, one of the things it means is to put up some boundaries for them, to help them with boundaries. Some rules and consistency. You know, kids can't do this for themselves. You know, really, do you realize that by default they are sinners with no boundaries whatsoever? They're not just good little sweet little kids. You've seen it, haven't you? What happened to my child? Boy, when they couldn't talk, they were great. (laughs) Loved them. What happened to my kid? Well, he just, they they began to manifest who they really are. They're a sinner. That's just the way it is. We sin. Boundaries. Tell them no every once in a while. I know you, I mean, you may shock them. They may may say, what is that word? I've never heard that word. I get it. But tell them no sometimes. Reduce maybe the things that they have. Help them with boundaries, with possessions, and screen time, and all these things. Teach them the value of self-control and responsibility. Set up some boundaries for them. Tell them, here's the way that it's going to be. Here's the way it has been, and this is what we're getting. And so here's the way it's going to be. And here's the consequences for that. And then guess what? Just be as consistent as you can. Over time. Are you going to have setbacks? Absolutely. Are you going to fail? Absolutely. It's going to happen. But just be as consistent as you can over time to reinforce those things over and over and over as best you can. doesn't mean you have to be crazy mom and fly off the handle at everything. Just be consistent and enforce the boundaries that you've set up. I think you love your kids also not only with boundaries but with time. To talk with them and to listen to them and to play with them and to read with them and do things they like and all of that stuff. And you say, man, I ain't got time for that. Let me just tell you this. What is sobering to me... And I will tell you this, as, as, you know, as one beggar tries to help another beggar find bread, I, if I don't have time to do those things with my children, then my time is misplaced. And that comes back to me over and over and over. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to tell me that. Because I'm not trying to be condemning this morning. But I realize occasionally, you know what, I don't have time to sit and read Duke, my six-year-old, a book. Guess what? Whatever else I'm doing, I'm giving that too much time. Whatever else it may be. You get what I'm saying. Give them time. Well, I'm giving them some quality time. Give them some quantity time, too. I guarantee you this. They will not grow up and just remember, well, Mom gave me and Dad gave me such quality time. You know what they're going to remember being with you? Doing what? I don't know. Whatever. Nothing. Stupid stuff. Whatever. That's what they're going to remember. Do your best to give them time. I think you also give them protection. How do you love them? Give them protection from discouragement, from sin. Protect them as best you can from sinful influences from the world and so on. And, and also, I, I came across this recently. I think, and, and this, this may sound uh, condescending, I don't mean it to, we got to protect them from ourselves sometimes. Um, whether that be our anger, 
whether that be with the new term called Sherrington. Sherrington. Yeah, that's it. It's sort of parenting, except you're sharing everything online. You've got to protect them from that. We, we, we need to ask ourselves, why am I sharing this? You know, if my kid grows up and is 14 years old and looks back on this dirty diaper that they had that I took a picture of and put it online and stuff, are they going to like that? Probably not. Would I want somebody chronicling every single moment of my life and putting it in the newspaper? Because that's what we're doing. We've got to protect them sometimes, don't we, from ourselves and our own desires for attention and so on. Now, if you don't have children... You say, I don't have children. How can I love children? I just want you to know again, just to reinforce, motherhood is not the highest of all callings. Just remember that. And if you've wanted or have lost children, then we mourn with you. And we're here for you as well. So love your kids. Third, love your role. Verse 5, Paul goes on and he says, You're to teach them to be sensible, pure, good homemakers, submissive to their husbands. The role To play the role of the wife as God has intended. To play the role of mother as God is intended. To get back to what God says, here's what it is to be about. Is this trying to keep women down? No. But let's understand, let's understand that 21st century America does not always line up with the scripture. And guess what? Which one we're supposed to adjust to? We're not supposed to adjust to 21st century America, are we? We are supposed to adjust our lives and our families to what the scripture says. It says in Joshua chapter 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will what? We will serve the culture. We will serve whatever's trending on Twitter. We will serve whatever meets our need. No, no, we will serve the Lord. In your role as a wife, as a mother, there may be some things that our society would say, what are you doing? And yet God says, it's exactly what you need to be doing. Not every woman, of course, gets to be a mom. And so love the role that God has given you. What a tremendous blessing, an incredible gift and honor. The Bible tells us to do all things, including being a wife, being a mother, without grumbling or complaining. Well, that's hard, isn't it? And the biblical roles that you'll see in motherhood and marriage and so on, they're foolishness to our world today. That, that husbands and wives would love one another and that a husband would give himself for his wife, that a wife would submit to her husband and, and, and they would work together to build this biblical marriage. It's just foolishness to our world today. And yet that's exactly what God says. Now you may not love the role that you have right now, whatever that may be, wherever you are in life. And let me encourage you to spend some time with God in his word, some time in prayer, some time around people who love and support you, who will help you. I think that's, that's one great thing about the church. The ladies, you've, you can find a home here, people who love you and so on. Now, let me tell you this as we get to the fourth one. You can love your husband if you have one. You can love your kids if you have them. You can love whatever role God has given you right now, and you can do all those things so well and still not be successful in the eyes of the Lord. Still not hit the mark. Jesus said it is possible for us to gain the whole world. You could be the best mom and best wife the world has ever known. And he said, yet forfeit or lose your very soul. Really? Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 that as he looked back on his life, he'd done all the religious things right. He had checked off all the boxes. And if he were a mother right in that, he would have said, I did all the quality, quality and quantity time. I set all the boundaries. I loved my husband and respected him. And I did all these things right. And you know what Paul says? He says, but all that stuff that I thought was so good, I count it as nothing, as a loss compared to what? The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
Ladies, I don't want you to walk away today just trying to be a better wife or a better mom or to be in your role and just, okay, I'm going to make it. Because the fourth one, Paul says here in verse 5, so that God's message will not be slandered. Let me encourage you, number four, to love your Savior. That's the foundation on which everything else rests because guess what? That's what defines you. The death of Jesus Christ, His love for you, your love in return, that's what tells you your value. Not being a mom. You may have failed, you think, at that. You may have failed, you think, at being a wife. You may have failed, you think, in your role. But if you are today committing, you say, you know what, I will love my Savior. Guess what? Over time, that will transform all the other things. The truth is, mom, lady, young woman, older woman, the truth is that as great as being a mom is and as wonderful as you may be at it, as great as being a wife may be for you and as good as you might be at it, you are still a sinner in need of a Savior. And you, above being a mom, above being a wife, above doing great in your role, you need Jesus Christ. Because without Him, all the other stuff is just sort of fluff. Foundationally, love your Savior. I'm going to close with asking you if you would, and if it's needed, the little connection card that's in the pew in front of you. Maybe you've got something specific. And ladies, of course, I think you know by now if you've been here a while, I'm not trying to get in your business. I don't, I don't I, I, in fact, I don't want to be. Um, no offense. Um, but I want to help you if I can. Just have somebody who's praying for you this week. You know, one of the roles of pastor, and we're going to get to this when we start a series next week on the church. We're going to get to the role of pastor is to present the word to pray for people. And, and and I want to be able to do that. But if you don't tell me how to pray for you, then I'm just kind of praying in general. I want to be able to pray for you specifically. And maybe, maybe ladies, you'd say, you know what? One of these particular things, maybe it's loving your husband, loving your children, loving your role, your stage in life, loving your Savior, whatever it may be, or something else that you've heard today. You say, you know what, Brad, would you... Would you pray for me? And you just write it down. And I'm, I promise you, I will not share it with anybody. I don't share it with my wife. I don't share it with our deacons. I don't share it with anybody. Here's what I, uh, you can pray for me about, just so you know. And you can hand it to me on the way out the door. Uh, you can give it to, to a trusted friend to give it to me if you don't, you know, whatever. I don't care. But I, I just want to pray for you and want to help you. And so maybe you do that today. But let me just remind you, above all, love your Savior. Jesus loves you and he died for you. And if you want to be defined, truly defined and valued as a woman, then recognize who God has defined you as, the object of his love. Recognize your value, someone Jesus died for. And live in that as a wife, as a mother, in whatever stage of life you may be in. Live in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. I tell you the opportunity there, of course, with the connection card. But I realize that maybe you won't fill that out, and that's okay. But you'd like for me to pray for you specifically, just even in this moment. And ladies, if, if there's something about this particular sermon or these things in your life, and you say, look, I, there's just something, and I, I don't really want to say much about it, but I need you to pray for me. We do this from time to time. I, I just ask folks... As everybody else has their head bowed and their eyes closed, I'll pray in a moment, but maybe you would be one who'd, who'd say, I'd acknowledge this morning, I need you to pray for me specifically. And you just lift your eyes and make eye contact. I won't call you out. I won't call you out in any way, but I want to pray.